good, good morning. How are you doing today? Good, good, man. Y'all sounded awesome in worship. I think everybody who's in the house this morning, let's give it up for everybody who's online and worshiping with us in this service. We love, love getting to do this with you. And we're looking forward to the day that we can all be back in the same room together. I will tell you this, a couple of things I just wanted to mention to you just right up front before we dive into the message this week. I, I am so jacked about where we, well, I'm just jacked anyway, but I'm really excited about where we're going as a church over the next few weeks, starting next weekend. This, I know I've told you before, I get excited about a new series or whatever, because, you know, it's, it's new and, and whatever. This is something that God started stirring in me about four months ago and has just confirmed and reaffirmed over and over and over again. And I am so I'm so hopeful, I'm so expectant of what God is going to do in people's lives, my life, your life, the life of this church, and I'm just going to tell you what it, the title of the series is also the subject of the series. Here's, here's the title of the series. Here's the title of the series. Grace. Just, just grace. And when you see that, you just say, just go grace, period. Just grace, period. Let me tell you something. This, I, I, here's why I'm so excited about it. This is one of those, this is one of those subjects, one of those topics that hits all of us. You may be, you may be an atheist watching online because you just happen to find something accidentally and you're just seeing what this crazy thing called church is all about. I promise you next weekend, grace is for you. You may be a long time follower of Christ, dyed in the wool, mature, man, just a stalwart, lion of the faith. Grace is for you. No matter where, you may be the pastor of Lake Hills Church. Grace is for you. This subject is so deep. It is so rich. I, 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 it was all I could do to wait until next week to start this series. I've already started studying and preparing and reading, and I'm just telling you, you want to be a part of that. Also, I want to encourage you, not those of you who are here, but online. Man, if you can or if you feel comfortable we would love to have you back in the room. I'll tell you, we've been doing this now since June the 7th. We've had no outbreaks. We are socially distanced in the room. There's even a section where if you want to keep your mask on, you can keep your mask on, but it is working. We're socially distanced. We're being responsible. We're being safe, and we miss you, and we'd love to see you back in the room. Now, if you can't come, if you're vulnerable, immunocompromised, which I didn't even know that was a thing six months ago, you are, we love having you online, but we would love to have you back in the room. I'll also tell you, we're not too far away from opening back up our children's ministries and starting a second service. That's going to be coming in the next few weeks. So, <clears throat> but isn't it weird? Yeah, of course it's weird. What's not weird? We wear masks walking into Home Depot right now. Of course it's weird, but it's better than not being here. So, we're excited about it and looking forward to where we're going as a church family over the next few weeks. Today, 
Since we're starting a new series next weekend, you might have already guessed we're finishing a series this weekend. We're kind of spurring the horse to the barn on true north. We started this series out by establishing the fact that Jesus is our true north. We, we kind of have used as our bedrock for this whole series, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, where it says, let us fix our eyes and on Jesus, that he is our true north. So the first week we spent talking about finding true north. What, what does that mean? What does it look like? Then week number two, we said, how do you follow true north? If Jesus is our true north, and Jesus said that if you want to be his disciple, you must take up your cross and follow him, following true north. Last weekend, as part of our back to school blessing, we, we talked about survival skills. If you were here or you watched online, you know that Julie broke out her, her flip chart and talked about identifying the things that you can control and then also identifying the things that you can't control and how we process all of those things together. Today, I want to talk to you about who you talk to. I want to talk, I want to, matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and ask him with passion and Sunday morning enthusiasm, who you talking to? Who you talking to? And the reason, I'm going to tell you why we're going to talk about that, but it just hit me over the last three weeks, really, I guess the last two weeks, I've had some of the most profound conversations, some of the, some of the deepest questions asked of me and also answered by some incredible friends that I have. And, and it just so happens that in this particular context, these friends that I'm talking about, these, these guys are pastors in different parts of the country, guys that, guys that I, I would and, by the way, have gone to war with spiritually. These are, the, these are the guys that I know. They've got my back. These are the guys that I know. They're taking care of their family ministry before their church ministry. And they're the ones who have, have stayed in the game and, and throughout COVID and Corona and quarantine and everything, we've, man, we've talked on the phone a lot of times. And there was one conversation I was having recently with a pastor whose name you would recognize, but I'm not going to tell you because we were having a virtual cigar together. And we were talking about church and talking about, you know, how are y'all doing? What are you doing? What's going on? And at the end of our conversation, this, this pastor that you would know just said this to me. He goes, Mac, I'm going to leave you with this thought. He said, Mac, I'm pretty sure by any measurement you want to use, we are more than halfway through this thing. And so that tells me we're going to make it. And I just wanted to tell you that. And I remember when he said those words to me, I was like, we're going to make it. Has anybody wondered whether or not we're going to make it through Corona at any point in time? I'm just asking you, have you ever, like, we're going to make it. You know who hasn't wondered about Corona? The greatest generation. This is what's so fascinating to me. I've talked to several, several members of the greatest generation, folks who were alive during the Depression, folks who were alive during World War II, and, and you know, we all, you know, folks under the age of 55 or 50 or 40 or 20 kind of feel like, the sky is falling. Folks who lived through World War II are like, oh, we've been here, done this, got the t-shirt. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's amazing what perspective brings you when you're talking to the right people. 
And it's within that context that I, I figured out and, and God just kind of shared something with me that, that ties the bow perfectly on this series, True North. And that is the power of perseverance, the power of persevering and, and just not quitting. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go back to Hebrews chapter 12 one more time this morning. And we're going to read this passage and we're going to have some highlighted words on the screen. And I want you to read those words with me, if you would. And everybody kind of sit up straight. If you don't mind, sit up straight at home and kind of get, kind of, you know, be ready to, to project from the diaphragm. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, and don't forget, read the highlighted words with me. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance. Endurance is, is not just for people who run long distances. Endurance is for people who live long distances. Endurance is for people who want to finish the race well. I think of the Apostle Paul when he said, writing to Timothy, I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. I have finished well. And this it is so, so critical as we think about true north, because a lot of times it's one thing to find true north, and then it's another thing to, to set off on the journey of following true north. But a lot of times, a lot of times, there will be situations, there will be circumstances that try to knock us off course. And it's in those moments that we have to decide we will run with endurance. We will finish this fight well. We will run the race that is laid out before us. It's, a, it's an amazing call that God has placed on us. And the good news is that just like we talked about last week, in terms of, we talked about in terms of back to school and how strange it was going to be this year because it's so different. And a lot of us started that school year this year and found out just how strange it really can be. But man, to run with endurance, who are you talking to? Who's, who's speaking into your life? Are, are you, do you have people from the greatest generation telling you it's going to be okay? We, we will weather this storm. Do you have people like my cigar-smoking pastor friend who says, we're past halfway, we're going to get through this? Or I wonder, does anybody, does anybody read social media the day after school starts? Do anybody, anybody see like, like Facebook rants and raves and, I can't believe they did this. My children's rights. I, I, oh, ah. I, Julie was looking at some of these things in her role as, as, as a fearless mom, and, and she started reading some of, the vi, just some of the bile that people were spilling. I said, I don't need that. I, I don't want you to read that to me. I, I hate that they're so upset, but I really promise you, it's going to be okay. 
It is not the end of the world. There is nobody right now, nobody, say nobody. nobody. There is nobody working harder than teachers and school administrators right now, not even pastors, nobody. And so all these people who go online, I can't believe they did that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, everybody just remember next weekend, grace. Just remember grace, grace. Does anybody here ever need some grace? Can I just see this show of hands? Okay, if you need some grace, extend some grace. I'm not starting the series right now, I'm not. But I'm just saying, I decided back in May when Governor Abbott said that Texas churches could meet again on a Friday, which for those of you scoring at home is two days before Sunday, I decided right then, you know what? Some people are going to open up this weekend. We are not, we talked about it, prayed about it as a staff and with our leadership and said, we're going to wait a little bit. We're not going to be the first ones open, but we're not going to be the last ones open either. And, and I decided that Governor Abbott made that announcement on May the 3rd. On May the 4th, I just decided, you know what? I'm giving everybody grace. I'm, I, if somebody wants to open yesterday, knock yourself out. If somebody wants to wait until Jesus comes back, knock yourself out. People want to wear masks, great. People don't want to wear masks, great. I'm giving grace. Here's why I tell you that. The last three months have been so much easier for me. I, I've, I've gotten a great night's sleep. I don't worry about what is that church doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> I don't walk into you know, Home Depot or HEB going, you get your mask on. Where's your mask? Don't you? Why do you hate people? I'm not doing that. I'm just, and the reason I tell you that is extending grace increases endurance. Extending grace allows you to run with endurance. You get to focus on the race that is set before you, not the other guy's race, not the other girl's race. So there's grace for the race and it's called endurance. Now, here's what I want you to know. We call it endurance. We, we could call it, and also the Bible uses the word perseverance. Perseverance is a good word. We, we persevere, we, we keep going. We don't quit. But here's the promise of God in Hebrews chapter 12, when we run with endurance. Perseverance, that, that, that means the choice that you make, that I make, to keep going. Perseverance preserves God's promises to us and promotes God's purposes through us. Perseverance preserves God's promises to us. You see, if you quit, you miss the fulfillment of the promises of God, the promises of God that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you abandoned. He will always provide a way through temptation. When you persevere, when I persevere, we preserve those promises of God. We, we preserve the opportunity for, our, for ourselves to experience God fulfilling those promises. But it also promotes God's purposes through us. You, you know, when you, when you see somebody who has persevered, somebody who has weathered the storm, somebody who has kept going, someone who has run with endurance, 
you just like being around those kind of people. Like the guys that I talked to the last couple of weeks and, and the, those guys that were speaking into my life, those are the kind of men I want to be around. Those are the kind of men I want to be. I, I, want, to, I want to be someone who sticks around for the long haul. We, we call that around here staying power. Staying power is not just the power to stay, but it's also the power from staying. When you stay in the fight, when you stay in the race, when you run with endurance and perseverance, God does something supernatural in your life. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter five. In Romans chapter five, the Bible says something that is completely counterintuitive and countercultural to everything going on in our world. Look at what it says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So endurance is directly tied to the love of God. When we choose to persevere, when we choose to endure, that's when we see the faithfulness. That's when we experience. That's when we feel the love of God. Part of Part of the blessing that, that God gave our family through COVID and the quarantine and all the uncertainty that started back in March was the faithfulness of this family of faith. The folks who said, you know what? We're not meeting, but we are still Lake Hills Church. We're not gathering every weekend, but we are still the church. We will show up online in record numbers. We will continue to give faithfully. We will continue to pray faithfully on that prayer wall, on the app. We will continue to be this family of faith that God has called us to be. And just week after week after week, I just sat there overwhelmed at the goodness of God, overwhelmed that, that he allows me to get to be a part of this family of faith, to get to be the pastor, and just going, yay, God, look at what he's doing. When nobody knows what day it is or month, we are still the family of faith. Angela Duckworth is a college professor and clinical psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania. And she has studied the patterns of high achievers. She began this study by, by studying particularly cadets at West Point, the United States Military Academy. And she was brought in to study what separates those who make it at West Point from those who don't make it at West Point? And she began with all of the usual metrics, you know, intellect, test scores, physical abilities, maybe military background in their family. But her study led her to a different conclusion that she had never expected, which has resulted really in becoming the, the centerpiece of her life work as a psychologist and this is what Angela Duckworth said about those who succeed, those who achieve. She said, in some, no matter the domain, the highly successful had a kind of ferocious determination that played out in two ways. First, 
These exemplars were unusually resilient and hardworking. Second, they knew in a very, very deep way what it was they wanted. They not only had determination, they had direction. It was this combination of passion and perseverance that made high achievers special. In a word, they had grit. In a word, they had grit. Now, Angela Duckworth's life study as a psychologist does not prove scripture, but I wanna point out two things to you. They had direction. High achievers in life have direction. They know where they're going. It's almost like they're following a true north. They had direction. But second of all, they had a passion and a perseverance. They run with endurance. Has nothing to do with intellect. For me, that's good news. Has nothing to do with income. It has nothing to do with your station in life. It is entirely about following true north and enduring and running the race. This is the essence of what she has called grit. Grit, I love that word, just grit. One of the things I love about Julie Richard, one of the many, there, there's so much, but of all the things she is a woman of grit. She, she is, she, we, we've, we've defined grit around here as God-honoring, relentless, intentional tenacity. God-honoring, relentless, intentional tenacity. You spell Julie, G-R-I-T. That's, that's who she is. I mean, she just, she, she just stays in the game. And so what I want us to do now, as we, as we think about this, I think, I think we would all agree that endurance is something that we can choose. And again, I, I want to encourage you. This week, ditch social media. Just, just get off of it. You don't need it for your job. You don't need it for school. You don't need it. And I promise you, it's not encouraging. Let me give you another thing to ditch. See, you, you see how much time you're earning in your life? You're getting time back because you came to church or you're watching this week? Ditch social media just this week. Just try it. Number two, do not watch cable news. Don't watch it. It's a waste of time. Our democracy and our lives would be better if somebody pulled the plug on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. They're lousy. Get away from them. Oh, Fox News got a little bit, they weren't so sure about that one. <laughs> I'm just telling you, they are not helpful. They're not. They're not encouraging. They're not building up our nation. They are tearing us apart at the seams. Amen. And it will cut into our endurance. So, have grace. There's, there's some wonderful people in the media. Have grace, but be discerning. Anyway, endurance training. Endurance training. I want to give you four things to focus on this week. As you walk out of here, I don't want you to ever leave a Sunday morning service and go, okay, but what do I do? How, how, do, I, how do I use this? This week, four things. 
Number one, check your diet. Check your diet. This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter four. Jesus is being tempted by Satan. Now think about that for a second. The son of God who has never sinned has just come off of a 40 day fast. 40 days. He's being tempted by Satan. And Satan begins the temptation with his physical drives and appetites. And Satan says, Jesus, you see these, see these stones right here? Turn them into loaves of bread. You're hungry? You could do that like that. Isn't it interesting that Satan chose bread? Wasn't kale? Wasn't broccoli? Hot, warm, buttered focaccia bread from Macaroni Grill. That's, that's, what, that's what he tempted the Lord with. Here's what Jesus said. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's, it's not about your appetites. It's, it's about the word of God. So, so check your diet. Go, going back to the social media thing and the, the media thing in general, if we will intentionally filter our words, what we hear through the grid of scripture, instead of filtering scripture through our political worldview, through our social media worldview, through what culture tells us, but we will return and come back to valuing, to come back to, to cherishing the word of God, to knowing the word of God. That's why when Stephanie stood up here earlier and talked about our Bible studies that are starting up, that are, that are ramping up this fall, that's why we do that. It's not just because we need to have stuff on our calendar when people go to our website. It's because the word of God brings life. It is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We live by what God has given to us biblically. And when we do that, then we, our, 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 our spirit, our souls are fired, they're fueled. And we, we can endure a little bit longer. When we remember the truth of scripture, when I think, I can't do this, I don't wanna do this anymore, I think, no, God's told me that there is no temptation I will ever face that's uncommon in human experience. And he promises, he promises to provide a way out of the temptation. He will guard and protect, he will never let me be tempted. He will never let you be tempted beyond what in his power you can resist. And so a lot of times we're tempted just to quit. We're tempted just to go, you know what, I don't, I don't feel like it. God says, no, no, no. If you don't feel like it, then that's one thing, but don't say that you can't go on because I've given you the power of the Holy Spirit of God to persist and persevere and endure. So check your diet, check your diet. Let us, let us focus on that which builds each other up, that which encourages us, that which encourages our children. 
that we, that we show our kids how to weather the storm, how to run with endurance, how to be joyful regardless of the circumstances around us, how to trust the authority, how to follow well. Check your diet. Number two, do the work. Do the work. For example, Bible study. I, I had a conversation with a guy, a good friend of mine several years ago, and he, he was sharing with me that he, he wrestles with stress and anxiety. And I said, hey, get in line. I do, I do too, regularly. I said, but you know, let me ask you a question. Have you, have you gotten into a men's Bible study? He goes, nah, I, need, I need to do that. I was like, yeah. It doesn't have to be just a men's Bible study. It may be a, it may be a group. It may be a Bible study somewhere. But you got to do the work. If you just think about God for, you know, an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning, and then, you know, go on about your business, that's not doing the work. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Isn't that amazing? The apostle Paul worked out. But he worked out as a means to the ends of spiritual maturity. He was willing to do the work because he knew what was true physically, that you have to train if you're going to run the race. What's true physically is more true spiritually. Do the work. Sit down with God and pray every day. Quiet, phone in another room. You won't even believe the freedom that gives you. That was like 20 minutes, and I didn't even touch my phone. And I'm still alive. Whoa, tomorrow I'm going for 22. But do the work. Number three, embrace the pain. Embrace the pain. We've already seen from Romans 5 that trials and struggles build endurance. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Don't numb the pain. Don't go looking for it. Pain will find you. You don't have to create your own. But when it happens, embrace it as, as an opportunity to know God better and also to learn what he's trying to teach you through the struggle, through the pain. Embrace it. And then number four, don't ever forget this one. Hold on to the hope of Christ. Hold on to the hope of Christ. I want everybody to do this for me real quick. Act like you've kind of got a, a steering wheel in your hand. Or just put your hands up like you got a steering wheel. And with apologies to Carrie Underwood, this is not Jesus take the wheel. But a lot of times when we face struggles, when we face challenges, a lot of times we do this. Don't do that. It's a bad move. 
hold on, not to control, because that's a farce anyway, <laughs> but hold on to hope. And I'm not talking about hope like, just, just hang in there, buddy. I'm not talking about putting a, a poster up in your cubicle that has a kitty cat doing a pull-up. I'm talking about holding, some of you don't understand what that is about. That is a reference. If you don't understand that, ask somebody older than you. And just keep going until you find somebody old enough to tell you what it is. But I'm talking about the hope of Christ. And, and here's what I come back to. Remember Jesus and the whole resurrection thing? It's kind of the anchor of our faith. It's, it's kind of a big deal. Well, it's also a big deal when it comes to hope. Because the fact of Jesus' resurrection means that he is in control. That he is who he claimed to be in his earthly ministry, that he is the son of God, that he defeated death and he subdued sin. The resurrection, that's what we hold on to. And the fact, the fact of the resurrection is our hope. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means we're going to be fine. It doesn't mean that it won't get hard. It doesn't mean that it won't be messy. It doesn't mean that it won't be uncertain but it means we're gonna make this in Christ. We don't make it because we think good thoughts and put positive energy out into the universe. That is bankrupt. But we hold on and we hope because of the fact of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, well, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. He has, in fact, been raised from the dead. This is who he is, and that's what he did. And that hope is what we hang on to. That hope is what we use to fuel our endurance. So it's not just, it's not just hope that we get through corona. It's not just hope that we get through a tough season in our marriage. It's not just hope that we get through a child who has gone astray and not come home. It is the hope that Jesus has the authority and the ability to turn everything for good, even the hard stuff. Sometimes, especially the hard stuff. I wanna ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. Most of what we've talked about today, most of it, has been addressing Christ followers. Those people who have said, I'm gonna trust Christ, I'm gonna trust Jesus more than I trust myself. 
and I'm going to follow him. None of us does it perfectly. But in this moment, as a church, we want to give you the opportunity to begin living in the hope of Jesus. If you've never chosen to follow Christ, maybe you've never had it explained to you before, you've never understood that, that Jesus died on the cross for you. He died literally in your place, in my place, paying the penalty for sin, the ultimate separation from God, the separation from life, from eternal, perfect, unconditional love. That is the net consequence of all sin. He took that on himself so that you don't have to, so that I don't have to. But then he did what we couldn't have done for ourselves and he rose from the dead. He got up out of that tomb. And when he did, he did so with the promise, with the offer of new life for anyone who would follow him, who would believe in him. If you want to take that step and begin that relationship, begin living in that hope, then we invite you to pray, whether you're online with us or you're in the room with us. Just silently talk to God and say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you. I believe that you died on the cross for me and I believe that you rose from the dead. And so I will trust you with my life now and forever. And I will follow you. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. Very briefly, if you would, if, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? Just quietly, quietly but unmistakably, raise your hand and hold it up high for just a second. If you're online, you're, you're welcome to raise your hand as well, but we just want you to know that we honor that moment. We celebrate that moment with you. That moment in your life and so many others like it, is, that's why we're here. And we wanna, we wanna help with what's next. So if I could just with our heads bowed for another second, if you would go ahead and put your hands down. As a family, we're gonna put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs>